there is going to come a time in your life sooner or later that you want to raise your fee because you just want more money. And it's not because of inflation. It's not necessarily because of cost of living. It's because you want a new car. It's because you want to buy a house. It's because you're tired of taking forever to pay off your student debt. It's because you want to take your family on a vacation. You know, it's not because of this thing that's just out of your hands. It's because of something that you want or you need. And frankly, that's just none of your clients' business. Hey there, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show, the podcast for current and aspiring private practice therapists who want to earn more money, work less, and have a way bigger impact. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist, former goody-goody therapist turned six-figure private practice owner and therapist business coach. I'm here to help you learn everything you need to know about private practice and expanding beyond the one-to-one model so you can earn more money and increase your impact as a therapist without burning out or hustling. Using my proven liberated business method, therapists at all stages of business have been able to grow their income while becoming even better therapists. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. It's time for you to get your time back and enjoy being a therapist again. You ready? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist. Today, we're covering how to talk to your clients about money, including my tips for how to normalize it from the very start. I'll also cover how to talk about money when raising fees with current clients, plus how to handle money objections on a consultation call. I want to take a moment to tell you about a special offer for my podcast listeners. For this month only, you can use the code SHOW to get $10 off my devotional sales practice. Devotional sales is my unique approach to the sales process. It takes the pressure off your clients to have a particular response while also increasing your own confidence during the conversation and helping you get more yeses. If you're tired of sales feeling icky, not knowing how to talk about money with confidence, or losing great fit clients because of money objections, then head to my website and grab the devotional sales practice. For the rest of this month, use the code SHOW to get $10 off. Last week, I shared about how to raise your fees, and in some cases, raising your fee is going to mean having a more in-depth conversation about money with your client. Most therapists have no idea how to do this, and this is nuts because we all deal with money, and money is very emotionally laden. Knowing how to have conversations about money with clients and when we need to and supporting them with their own money challenges should be a clinical skill in your toolkit, and that's what we're going to cover today. So let's get into it. To begin, I'm going to share some tips for immediately improving your ability to have better conversations about money with clients or for anyone else for that matter. So first off, you just need to practice talking about it. For a lot of us, money is a really, really taboo topic. Some of us didn't grow up talking about it. And even if we did, it may have been in a kind of weird way. So we just literally do not have a lot of practice having this conversation. So my encouragement with you would be to start having these conversations with more people. It might be friends, family, or even like a designated person who becomes your money buddy. I did this with a friend of mine many years ago. We were having a conversation and just like got way more frank than people typically did about their money. And my friend was just sharing how she feels like in general, a very, very competent, capable person. But when it came to money, she just felt like super ignorant. And she was also finding that like She just didn't have a lot of opportunities to talk about this, and she knew that that was causing problems. She knew that if she felt safe having conversations about money, 
that she would become more capable with it. And so we agreed that we were going to have conversations about money with each other. We would share resources and books and just like ask each other questions that we oftentimes feel like are off limits. So that is something that was like a huge change for me. And so you could find ways to just like bring this up in conversation or maybe lean in and ask questions you wouldn't normally ask. And you may find people are unwilling or shocked. And so like you may just see if you can have a little bit more of a conversation about it in normal conversation, but you might actually go the extra step of like finding a person who you're like, hey, can we do this? And they might say no. And I would say just keep on going until you find a person who you can have those conversations with. In the same way that you're basically exposing yourself to these topics and getting comfortable with something that you've previously been uncomfortable with, exposure is really, really important for you to start to have better conversations with your clients about money. So read books about money, listen to podcasts, and also just observe your thoughts and your statements about money. Are you walking around in the world saying things like money is bad or I'm not good with money or having judgmental thoughts about money or how other people interact with money? You don't have to change all of these things. It is okay to have opinions or moral stances or convictions about certain things, but it may still be useful for you to re-examine those things if it's been a long time since you've looked at them critically. You may very well find that as you're looking into these things that you have money beliefs that are actually harming you. Like If you feel judgmental about another therapist who you see as being successful or someone with high fees— you and you yourself are trying to have higher fees or make money as a therapist, it may be wise to consider uh, dissecting that thought because that might be holding you back. So just be an observer, a kind observer of your thinking and see what's there. And if you need some help with that or you want a bit of guidance around how to begin to shift those or even just excavate them, I would really encourage you to check out my course, Healing Money, which is the name of my Facebook group, Healing Money. So that's where that came from. And it's totally free to members. It's a course I did years ago now, but I love it because such it's such a great time capsule of how I was thinking and feeling. And I was in an earlier stage of my own mon- money healing, which actually makes it really, really great because I would say different things now that might not apply to people who are at a particular stage in their journey. Anyway, I highly recommend that you check it out. Again, it's a free course that is made specifically for therapists who are wanting to heal and examine their un- own money wounds and including those things that are specific to our journeys as private practice therapists. So Go there to dig into that. The link to join Healing Money is in the show notes. Another way to have better money conversations with our clients is to actually ask them about their income and their financial circumstances on their intake. Normalize these topics from the very, very start of therapy and act as if this is a normal last thing to be discussing because it should be. And if we can't talk about things like finances or money in an explicit way in therapy, then honestly, where can we? So on my intake form for therapy, these are some of the questions that I included. One question was, tell me about how you support yourself. Are you employed? Are you your own boss or doing non-paid labor? Do you receive financial support from another person or fund? And then the next question was, what is your gross annual income? Now, again, we're going to learn so much about our clients. We're going to learn about their jobs. We're probably going to learn about the sex they're having or not. We're going to learn about their partnerships, their family members, their deepest secrets, their most 
challenging past experiences. And every single day, whether we like it or not, we are living in a world in which money is a really big part of it. It affects all of us. People feel stressed out about money. People break up or separate because of money. People make massive decisions in their life based on money. So it's an important factor. It's an important feature. And knowing this information can, again, help normalize those conversations about money from the very start and just create an opening. Now, some clients aren't going to want to share this information, so you just need to know like what your contingency is for that. And also, if you're a person who has a sliding scale, I think many of us have had the experience of agreeing to see a client at a sliding scale spot, and then later on something is shared about their financial circumstances where maybe when they initially began working with us, they were like, I don't have a job, therefore I can't pay this full fee. But then we later find out that their life is fully subsidized by some other means. And we're like, hmm, I wouldn't have given that sliding scale spot had I actually had this information. And so I think if you are going to have a sliding scale and it is going to be perhaps like based on this person's financial circumstances, it is important for us to actually have that information. Otherwise, we can't actually make an informed decision. And many of us have had that cringe moment when in a session, a client just reveals something and we're like, oh my God, I feel so resentful now. And so this can be uh, a good action to take to sort of prevent something like that from happening. So that's how you can introduce or normalize money as a topic from the very start. But in terms of ongoing therapy, something else to look out for is to not avoid conversations about money. Like if your client is talking about their job or buying a house or a raise, don't talk about everything but money. <laughs> like have the conversation. And once again, if you on in your own personal life don't feel comfortable talking about money, don't know how to talk about it, then of course it'll feel kind of taboo with a client. You may feel like you're not allowed to go there. But if you uh, have this practice in your personal life, then you're going to feel more equipped to lean in in those moments. And if you're ever unsure of whether or not you should or could be having those conversations, just ask for your client's permission. Like say like, hey, would it be okay if we talked about how money is a factor in this? And if they say no, you can always back off. It means it's an out of bounds topics for them or at least in that moment. And that's okay. But if you get permission, then you can have just a little bit of reassurance that you're actually being welcomed to engage on that topic. Something else that can come up in therapy is because therapy is such an intimate and relationship-based type service, sometimes our clients have this sort of fantasy that this isn't actually a working relationship. They, they like to sometimes ignore that fact. And this can manifest in a lot of ways. If a client is repeatedly late paying you or doesn't want to pay you, I mean, I'm not saying that is the it's because of this, but it could be a factor in that. Or sometimes clients will even say things to us that indicate that they're kind of looking at this as a more personal relationship than it actually is. And when we fail to uh, correct that or confront that, we can set up this unrealistic dynamic or just basically untrue dynamic that we're just here because we do this for fun out of the goodness of our hearts. And it's not really a job. And like maybe the payment doesn't really matter. Now, I'm sort of talking in extremes, but it's also possible that you're listening to this and you're like, oh, my gosh, yes, I have been in that dynamic with a client and it didn't feel good. So something else to consider is don't shy away from those moments when a client says or does something that kind of indicates that they're they're not really seeing this or acknowledging it as a professional relationship. 
It's really important for you at the very least to be clear that this is your livelihood, this is your business. Yes, you do absolutely care. But the reality is that care isn't free, especially in this context. This is a professional context. And one metaphor that I've used in the past for this, and it's funny because last week I talked about like the metaphor using BDSM and negotiation. One of the dangerous things that people can say or attitudes that they can have towards sex workers is like, well, you have sex for free with people you like, so why should I pay for this, right? And the difference is that even if the act might be the same in some way, one is happening in a personal context and one is happening in a professional context. And so as a therapist, you are somebody who has been probably a very caring, empathetic person for most, if not all of your life. Like things happened in your past, may have been like personality traits that you were born with, what have you, inclinations that you were born with that all came together so that you were so perfectly prepared to be a therapist. But you also went and got an education. You got a master's degree. You went through the trouble of becoming licensed. You went through the trouble of starting an actual business. These things, even if they have a lot of similarities, like the care that you give to the people in your personal life and the care that you give to your clients, even if there are some similarities, they are in fact not the same and they shouldn't be confused with each other, not by you, not by your clients. And so having a really clear awareness in yourself and boundaries in your work about how you hold this frame differently and how it's distinct from the care that you give in your personal life is so important to the integrity of the work that you're doing with your client. All right, so I've established a bunch of tips for how you can have better conversations with your clients about money. And generally, I advise for you to lean into these conversations about money, for you to develop your skill set to really see it as a clinical skill set. And it doesn't have to be that you somehow become like a financial counselor where you have all of this like background. It could just be that you can handle a conversation about money in a real way. I think that's important for all of us to have that sort of base level ability when we're working with clients. That being said, as much as I advise you to have uh, more in-depth conversation, more honest conversations with clients about money, there are certain conversations that I actually don't recommend about money. So one of them is if a client is asking you why you're raising your fee, I don't suggest that you start justifying or listing off all of the reasons for why you're raising your fee or trying to somehow through this rationale convince them to be okay or not have certain feelings about your fee raise. So this comes up periodically when I'm working with therapists who are in private practice. This came up in a program that I lead not too long ago. And a therapist decided to raise their fee, and they actually shared with their clients that they were doing so for things along the lines of like inflation, cost of living. It's been a while since I've raised my fee, just kind of like basic things. And they asked if they should like share more about why they were raising their fee. And my advice was to not share more. Because it's really easy to share a rationale for raising a fee when it's one of the things that I just listed, like inflation. It's been a while because it has this this sense of almost being like, well, it's out of my hands. Inflation happened. So a time happened. So the fee raise has to happen. It's sort of like it's not it's not my fault. It's just like time. Don't blame me. And I know that's not necessarily like our intention when we're doing it, but it ends up setting a precedent that we're really not going to like later on. 
which is there is going to come a time in your life sooner or later that you want to raise your fee because you just want more money. And it's not because of inflation. It's not necessarily because of cost of living. It's because you want a new car. It's because you want to buy a house. It's because you're tired of taking forever to pay off your student debt. It's because you want to take your family on a vacation. You know, it's not because of this thing that's just out of your hands. It's because of something that you want or you need. And frankly, that's just none of your clients' business, which I know sounds weird to say, especially since this whole episode, I've been making a case for having frank conversations about money with clients. But what I'm typically talking about when I'm saying that is like you being able to support your client with their money stuff. When it comes to your fee for therapy, this is a business decision. This is a decision based on math. This is a decision based on sustaining the business, sustaining yourself, and allowing you to live a fun, joyful, fulfilling life and have the things you want, however however you define that. Walking your client through all of those things is, I would say, generally not appropriate in therapy, nor is it useful. <laughs> and there is a huge difference between when a client asks a question like that, why are you raising your fee? Because they're genuinely curious, open-hearted, interested. And a client asks that question because they want to argue with you, because they're unhappy with the fee raise, because they're feeling hurt, they're feeling challenged, they're feeling scared, and they're thinking, some part of them, that if you were to tell them why, they would either, one, feel better because they'd be like, oh, it's, it's just time, it's just inflation, it's not personal, or you would tell them something like, I want to buy a new house, and they'd be like, how dare you want to buy a new house? You know, like, whatever. It's like, there's a very big difference between when someone is asking that question out of a place of open-heartedness and genuine curiosity versus, like, I'm upset and I'm looking for a way to kind of argue with you. And I'm not even saying, like, I'm not trying to, like, say clients are bad for doing this. It's a totally normal reaction. And I honestly don't think there's anything wrong with them asking the question. But because it is such a common question, I really want to prepare you for how to handle that moment with as much, like, confidence and grace and compassion as you can. And I don't think it's relevant to the client or really important to walk them through all of your very, very personal financial decisions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And again, this is different because you are in the position of the therapist in this situation, whereas your client is in the position of the client and you are there to help them through their personal issues, which includes money. Whereas your decisions about money, your policies, your fees, your cancellation policy practices, all of those things, that's a business decision. And it's sort of like in the same way that uh, a store like will set hours of operation, they're like, we're open from this time to this time. That's a decision that they made. And we can assume because that works for that business owner, because they think enough people will come in during that time to sustain the business. But that's not really up for negotiation. It's not like a person off, you know, coming in off the street customer can be like, I want you to have different business hours, so you should. The shop owner might be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. I get that you want that, but that doesn't work for my life. Now, it could be the case that this happens enough times that the shop owner is like, you know what, that's really great feedback. I'm going to see about opening the store at a different time. But going back to the metaphor of like your fee in therapy I think, you know, you probably heard a few episodes ago, I was talking about how lowering your fee is often not the answer. Um, usually, if clients are not happy with your fee and you're losing clients because of that, I would say before lowering your fee, focus on marketing. So anyway, point being that if, if you have done really incredible marketing and you still are not getting clients, then yeah, you might need to reconsider your fee. But even if your current caseload is not happy with your fee, to me, that is not enough of a reason 
to say, well, that's proof this fee is a problem. No, it just means that your current caseload is not going to work with that fee and you need to learn how to attract clients who are going to be ready to pay you that fee. So in general, when your clients may ask you in the heat of the moment, if they're upset, like, why are you raising your fee or why is your fee the way it is? My advice is not to get into the habit of justifying or explaining your fee increases. And honestly, I wouldn't even get in the habit of sharing things like it's inflation or cost of living because, again, there will come a point where you're raising your fee and you don't have that handy, quote unquote, excuse for why, you know, your hands are tied and you just have to raise your fee. It's not really something you would do. But again, time made me do it. Inflation made me do it. Like there will come a moment in the course of running your business where that is not the reason. And you're going to be noticeably silent (laughs) during that moment because in the past you've had a handy reason to tell your clients why this is happening, and then you won't. And that's going to be noticeable. You're going to notice it at least. Um, So don't get in the habit of doing that. When clients have asked me about my fee, why it is what it is, I say, you know, it's based on what I need to sustain the business and my life. I keep it that simple because it's true. Like that is the truth. And because this is my business, it's my responsibility to set a fee that actually allows me to do this work allows me to do it joyfully, allows me to do it without resentment, without financial stress or burden. And what is needed for that to be the case does change over time. So there was a period of time when I was younger that apparently what I needed to do that work was $13 an hour when I was a drug counselor in a methadone clinic. I did fantastic work. That is not the same anymore. I need a different amount of money in order to do this work sustainably, joyfully, and enjoy my life. It's just different. So in an ideal world, your fees and policies should be set such that your client could basically say they've just bought their fifth house and plan to quit their job and spend the next year traveling or won the lottery, and you would feel nothing but joy for them. You would be like, good for you. I am so busy enjoying my own life that I feel nothing but happiness with you because there's no part of me that feels like lacking about my own life. I've set my business up in such a way that I can see your good fortune and I'm not over here feeling resentful about it. Now, like I just said, that's in an ideal world. That's in a world where your niche is clearly defined, where your marketing is amazing, when you easily can get more clients if you need them, where you know you can be paid whatever you want. And I know a lot of us are not there. That's a whole journey. It takes time. It takes iteration. It takes all sorts of things. And so if you're not there, that's not meant to shame you. But I do think it is a great sort of goalpost to move towards. And whenever you hear a voice in your head, uh, when a client says something about their life and you you hear this, must be nice, you know that something needs to change in your business. Whenever you hear must be nice in your head or like a tinge of like jealousy, envy, resentment, whatever it may be, or sort of like, God damn it, I wouldn't have agreed to this fee if I had known X, Y, Z. There's something up in your practice that needs an adjustment. All right, so we've talked about tips for getting better at talking with clients about money. We've talked about the money conversation I suggest you don't actually have. Now we're going to talk about money objections on consultation, intake, or screening calls. So I like to keep my pre-session calls with clients really, really brief. I don't offer free, long consultations. I don't do intakes before clients start therapy. Instead, I keep my initial calls with potential clients under 10 minutes And I basically am just using them as a screening call. I'm screening out clients who I know wouldn't be a good fit, either because they want to work on something that just isn't in my scope, it's not in my niche, or logistically, it's not going to be a good fit. They can't afford the fee. The When they want to meet doesn't make sense for my practice. I don't have office hours then. 
Um, or I can just tell that their their needs are higher than what I can accommodate in my like once a week private practice without wraparound services. So it's really just a screening call to be like, is there like a logistical or a needs thing or a fit thing where I know there's there's no point in you even coming in for a first session? If I think there's a good chance that I can help them, they've got something in my niche, they can pay my fee, they can come in at least that next week for a certain time, then we agree to meet that for that first session. And it's in that first session that I do a further assessment. And between that initial call that I do, that screening call, and that first session, they fill out an intake online. So they fill out their intake. And then in that first session, we actually have a longer conversation where I get to know them better and I do a more thorough assessment. Episode seven takes you through that whole process. So go check that out if you're like, oh my God, I've been spending 40 minutes on intake calls and still not getting yeses. Go listen to episode seven. It's going to totally change how you do intake screening calls in your business. But in short, when I get a fee objection from a client on that initial call or they say they're not sure if they could come into therapy weekly, so they're like, I'm not sure if I can afford it, or at that rate, I'm not sure if I could come in every week, I reiterate that my fee is what it is and that I see clients weekly. I'm not like, well, that's cool. Just pay me less. Or how about you come in every other week? In my best moments in the past, and you know, I'm going to be totally honest, I haven't always done it this way. But in general, I would say like, well, this is my fee and I see clients weekly. And then something to the effect of, it sounds like you're unsure if this arrangement would work for you and you're totally welcome to come in for a first session just to see if this feels like a good fit for you. And if coming to therapy weekly is a challenge, but you would like to, or if money is an issue, I'm happy to support you in a conversation to look for solutions to this. My guess is that if time or money might be an issue for you here and being able to access therapy, then it's probably an issue or challenge in some of your other life areas. So that's typically my response. I don't dive into a huge money conversation on that call, again, because it's this really short screening call, and I don't offer to change my fees and policies. Instead, I say, hey, you can come in for a first session. Like, you don't have to commit beyond that. And if you want support in therapy around money, time management, prioritizing self-care, I can absolutely help you with that. And if after that first session, you're like, no, this isn't for me, like, no problem. That's it. And now this is very specific to how I onboard therapy clients. When I'm selling one-on-one coaching or programs, I approach this pretty differently. Whether you're wanting to get better at sales for your online programs or fulfilling your one-on-one therapy practice, I highly recommend that you check out the devotional sales practice. Sales, as we've discussed all throughout this episode, can feel really, really crunchy for therapists, and it can be rife with like dissociation and disappointment. But this is truly such a bummer because we could all be so much better at holding our clients through this journey. And when we do, we get more yeses and clients get the help that they actually need. If you want to stop feeling icky about sales or feeling like you're not even allowed to be good at sales as a therapist, if you want to get way better about talking about money and get more clients into your therapy practice, then go to my website, thebadtherapist.coach, or just grab the link in the show notes to get my devotional sales practice. Use the code SHOW for $10 off the devotional sales practice through the end of this month. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope this episode has given you some useful tips to start talking about money with clients with more confidence. Next week is all about marketing on the internet. It's increasingly becoming saturated. So is there still room for you, your ideas, and your therapy practice? That's the question I'm going to be answering next week. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so please leave a review and a five-star rating if you found this helpful. And don't forget to come follow me on Instagram at The Bad Therapist. I'll see you next week. 
that's all today for The Bad Therapist Show. Thanks so much for hanging with me. I hope you got some gems that you can start using right away in your own business so that you can break out of good therapist conditioning and build the business that you want. If you've gotten something out of this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with one of your good therapist friends who really needs to hear it. And while you're at it, please consider leaving a rating and or review so that we can change not just our individual businesses, but transform the mental health system that got us here in the first place. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week for more private practice and coaching tips. Remember, bad therapists make the best therapists.